Welcome to Views from the Porch, a podcast where we explore what it looks like to survive and thrive in your young adult years. Each week, we talk about the biggest challenges facing young adults today and how to overcome them from God's Word based on our weekly experience in leading thousands of young adults at the porch. For more info on the porch, visit theporch.live. Thank you for joining. What's up, guys? This is David. We are back with another episode of Views from the Porch, joined with the one and only J.D. Rogers. Hello, everyone. Back in town from vacation last week. Where'd you go, man? <laughs> yeah, it wasn't really much of a glamorous vacation. I was in Nacogdoches, Texas. Oh, beautiful this time My of year. alma mater. <laughs> it actually is, but uh, SFA, Axum Jacks. Oh, I love it. Yeah, it was Come nice. On, seeing man. all my college best friends and meeting all their babies. I wonder if anybody... I am so single. Yeah. Wow. We already <laughs> went there. Putting that out there for the world. I have to just do it now so you don't do it. Yeah. Okay, do it. We need to make a disclaimer. Ladies, don't slide into his DMs. Wait for him to come to you. Yeah, That's a good word. And Mrs. <laughs> Laura Eldridge <laughs> David this is off to a strong start yeah. already. We're talking about DMs. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if there's an SFA content like group of people that listen. Yeah, there is for sure. Come on. I, they, they reach out. They're like, hi, fellow Lumberjack here, Axum. Lumberjack, we love, I love it. <laughs> All right, hey, what are we talking about today? Today, we are talking about the relevancy of the Old Testament. Mm. Is the Old Testament relevant to my life today? Mm. And if it is, David, why is it so dang hard to read sometimes? Man, Because it, it is way more challenging to dive into the Old Testament than the yeah. New Testament, especially if you're new to the faith. Yes. It is. It's it's complex. It's a lot in there. Totally. So. And David, we're expecting a lot out of this. We need you to answer all of our questions in. We have wait. 20 minutes. Is that it? Yeah. About 20, 25. Yeah. Somewhere around there. Hey. Um, yeah. So is the Old Testament relevant uh, to your life? And we haven't talked about any of this yet. Like literally you wrote down some questions and, and I have no idea where we're going. Yep. So you tell me what, what uh, I would say yes, but probably not the way that most people think that it is. Okay. I yeah. Think, yeah. I agree. You want to keep going? Uh, sure, go ahead. Or you want to direct it somewhere else? Yeah, I'll, I'll, let me just start us off. Okay, go. Okay, from what I've gathered, the Old Testament is all about the nation of Israel, right? Correct. Like, like obviously, there's other things, but that's like the emphasis, the main character. Yes. Would you say? Yeah. Okay. Well, the main character, of course, is God. Yes. But but his his relationship with the people of Israel, yes. Yes, thank you for clarifying. Um, so, I'm not a Jew. I'm not a part of really? the nation of Israel. <laughs> So I'm already kind of out because the New Testament kind of starts yep. to give a lot more color to the non-Jewish people. And so how, let's just start there. So doesn't that already like make me, can I already be a little disinterested? Yeah, I know. I think it's a really fair question. So the Old Testament, like you said, is the um, relationship that uh, God introduces to the world through the people of Israel, where he says through this nation in Genesis chapter 15, all people will be blessed. And Abraham, he comes up, he shows up to a guy living, you know, about 30 miles south of Baghdad in a city called Ur. His name was Abraham. God says, I've selected you by grace and I've chosen that you will be the one through whom all of the nations will be blessed. It's always been God's heart for the entire world to come to know him. And Israel was a uh, means or a part of that plan by which God would kind of introduce himself. He would introduce the teachings of the Old Testament and he would, that's primarily what, um, his relationship, the Old Testament, is all about. The name Old Testament is not something that you'll find your Jewish friends use. It's what we use and was first used, I think, by uh, Origen in the third century. It was used by a guy, basically, that that kind of began to frame it. And you had the Newer Testament, 
and uh, the newer testimony of what God is at work to in the world. Mm -hmm. And then the old Testament that primarily displayed and set up the foundation for everything that God was going to do in the new Testament. Okay. So Romans chapter 10 says, are y'all following me? Yep. Mm -hmm. like so no, the, the old Testament, just really quick before we go on, just yeah. give me kind of like a, a high level view of what it's made up of. What's kind of the, I know there's like some poetry in there, yes. some prophecies. Yep. 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 One of the hardest things I think about reading the Old Testament is uh, you almost need a study Bible that can tell you like, here's what is in this mm -hmm. because you read it. Everyone reads it like Harry Potter, which is not a great, you know, I've never read Harry Potter, but uh, it's <laughs> yeah, not a great way too thick. Yeah. Approach. They really are so <laughs> yeah, thick. I see that. And I'm like, how does anyone have the ambition yes. to even tackle this? Oh my gosh. For real. <laughs> that wasn't me. Uh, so anyways, um, Hank the cow dog inside of there, there's historical books that you can read like history. They would read like a history book where it's telling you what happened in the nation. Then there's these prophetic or prophecy books and you have the major prophets and the minor prophets and major ones are just like the really long ones. There's four of those. And then there's 12 minor prophets that are, are just shorter in length. And then you have these poetic books like Proverbs where there's incredible wisdom and, and beautiful poetry like Song of Solomon and Ecclesiastes, but they don't read, they read like poetry does. Like, um, you know, uh, Romeo and Juliet, when Juliet's like, man, I'm gonna butcher this, but you were a thespian, weren't you? I don't even know what that means. That's an actor. <laughs> That's an actor, JD. An actor. And, and like when she's a like, but soft, what, what light through yonder window breaks, it yes. is the east, it is and the Romeo east. is and the, Romeo and is the know, sun. Yes. She's not actually saying that Romeo is the sun in the sky. It's poetry, and it's yeah. reading beautifully he's hot like fire. Poetic. He, she may be saying that. Shakespeare. So anyways, hey, song of Solomon. one of the challenges knowing, what am I reading right now? What was the context in which it was written? What is the um, format or the genre? Mm -hmm. Because it's really a library. The Bible is a word, the word Bible comes from a Latin word, Biblia, that just means the books. So the, you know, one problem with the Bible is people think of it like one book that, hey, if I start in chapter one and I go to chapter 50, it progressively and linearly or like kind of one chapter after the next follows each other. Yeah. And that's not what the Bible is. The Old Testament is broken up into genres. Okay. The New Testament is also broken up into genres. Mm -hmm. We have the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Then you have the epistles or the letters that, um, were written to the different churches. You have the history of the book of Acts, and then you have revelation or you have prophecy that's contained inside of there. So anyways, as it relates to the Old Testament, here's why Christians read the Old Testament. You guys still with me? Yep. yep. Because it sets up the foundation for everything that God was gonna do in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. And while we are not underneath the Old Testament laws, there's 613 laws in the Old Testament. Okay. Mm -hmm. Christians are no longer underneath those in the same way that a Jewish person 2,050 years ago would have been, but they do show us something about the heart of God. Mm -hmm. They give us principles that we can apply to our life. In other words, I'm not necessarily underneath the law that um, in uh, Numbers, oh man. Oh, and the book of Numbers is basically a scenario where a guy's out, he's picking up sticks and his punishment for working, it was on the Sabbath and his punishment was really severe. God said, I don't want you to work on the Sabbath. I take this really seriously. Mm -hmm. And he lost his life. We're no longer underneath that same law where, hey, you're out doing yard work on a Sunday, mm -hmm. you are underneath the punishment of God. That was a distinct time. We don't have even time to fully go into all of that. If you want to, we can. But we're now mm -hmm. able to look at those teachings and go, the heart of God was serious about people putting into practice rhythms and rest in their life. He still wants us to have rhythms and rest in our life. And he also uh, tells us in the New Testament, that the Sabbath was a picture of Jesus and what Jesus was going to do. And Hebrews chapter, um, man, I feel like the numbers are all off on me today. 
You guys remember Hebrews? Dude, the study, Sabbath rest. study your Bible. I know, for real. Where he talks about, I think it's Hebrews chapter 7, a greater Sabbath rest has come and that Jesus was what the Sabbath was pointing about. Mm-hmm. Cease from your work and trust me, God. Cease from your work and trust Jesus, God, in order to have a relationship with him. So the Old Testament, we study it, not in order to be saved by it, mm-hmm. but because we can learn about what God was doing in the world God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, Hebrews chapter 13 says, so we can learn about um, his character, how he's worked, and it just tells us more and more of the God that we love. It would be like this. It's like um, uh, you're dating, or you're not dating, you're married. You're recently married, so Colby Mm -hmm. is your husband, and I'm sure there were times where you were dating him or whenever you guys fell in love and all the (laughs) beauty that that was, where you were curious about more of his story where you went and saw his family yeah. and you wanted to hear, like, where did he grow up? Uh, he grew up in a couple different places, which was part of his story, which is interesting. So with, give me so one of them. near Austin. Okay, great. Yeah. So you went, you saw his family, you grew up near Austin and you want to know like, what sports do you play in high school? And you want to see different pictures of him. Like totally. when you go walk through the house because you love this person, you're totally. in a relationship with this person. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, they're out of an overflow of that. We want to know more about mm-hmm. this person. Mm-hmm. So the same thing with God, that we're given an indication of more of what he was like, how he's always been at work. He hasn't been silent for thousands and thousands of years. He's still at work today. He's always been at work. And inside of the Old Testament, we're given indications of how he was at work then and uh, what God is like. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So you're telling me like to use your Sabbath example, you're mm-hmm. telling me I don't necessarily need to look back and find the 613 laws, but that the things written in the old Testament tell me something about God and there's a way that I should respond to that. And so yes. now tell me the difference between those old laws, why we don't follow them anymore and what's the difference now with the new covenant? So uh, not long ago, I feel like we did a views from the porch or maybe it was a Q and a where I shared like the illustration of, Hey, when I was in high school, mm-hmm. there were certain laws that I was underneath. Yeah. Was that on this or was that on like the Q and a I'll do it quickly. So yeah. when I, you know, when I was in high school and I'm a junior in high school, I sit underneath certain laws that um, I have uh, to follow. I got to be at class at third period. I can't, um, oh yeah, this was Q&A. Yeah, I can't show up and just bring whatever I want into the school building. I can't run in the hallway with scissors. I can't do certain things. Mm-hmm. Now today, there are laws that I've graduated. I've graduated entirely from the law system of my high school. Mm-hmm. I don't have to be at you know Mrs. Canvas's third third period art class at a certain <laughs> amount of time. But I. Um, uh, so there's laws that no longer apply, but mm-hmm. it's still not a great idea for me to run with scissors because I could trip, I could fall, I could hurt myself. So when you look at the Old Testament, the question, and this is one of the challenges I think uh, of growing in your faith is going, hey, I no longer have to do any of these in order to have a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. There's still principles that I can take from this vo- from this verse, from this law, from this teaching, from this story that I can apply to my life. And the question is, is this something that was specific to the nation of Israel Uh where he talks about a king should have his own Torah that he reads on and of himself? That tells me, um, that doesn't mean that, hey, President Trump needs to have his own Torah, although that would be great. (laughs) It tells me that God was passionate about the king Mm -hmm. knowing the word of God himself. He said the priest needs to have the Torah himself and the king needs to have the Torah himself because God's saying, hey, leadership rises and falls based on character and his relationship with me. And I learned something about it that is relevant to my life. It tells me more about God, but it's not necessarily directly Mm -hmm. applicable. There's other ones like do not murder that would fall under the, hey, don't run with scissors. 
Still not a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. not the thing that earns me a relationship with God mm-hmm. or keeps me out of heaven because God, you know, can forgive anyone for any sin at a point in their life. But every time that I read the Old Testament, I'm reading the words, the prophecies, the teachings, and I'm gaining, gaining lessons in what God is actually like. Does that make sense? Yeah. What's interesting is there's also some parts of the Old Testament that haven't been fulfilled yet. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like what? Tell us. What would you say? Uh, like when, like for the Jewish people, aren't there prophecies about, well, this is kind of a controversy, but like even parts of the cup, the Abrahamic covenant. Sure. Yeah. That haven't been fulfilled for the Jewish people. Land, seed and blessing, like that stuff. Yeah. There's also stuff in, in Daniel mm-hmm. uh, where we're talked, we're told about end times mm-hmm. and tribulation and it mm-hmm. connects like Daniel and the book of Revelation mm-hmm. go together. So mm-hmm. there's also parts where, you know, most of it has been fulfilled. It was fulfilled. All the promises find their yes in Jesus. Second Corinthians tells us, but there's also stuff in there where we're told of kind of what is to come ahead. But I think the primary uh, thing that we're introduced to over and over as we read through the Old Testament is more of what God is like. There were movements like early on in the church to say, hey, we don't even need the Old Testament and we could detach it. It's just the New Testament. Mm -hmm. And it was uh, the church fathers, I think, who wisely said, no, there's all types of rich, incredible truths that we can gain from this. Mm -hmm. And every time I open up my Bible and read the Old Testament, it's not only that I'm uh, reading probably the most ancient literature you've ever read, older than... Um, uh, man, what was the book of the guy who's at the front of the boat in the siren song? Odysseus. Odysseus? Odysseus? Hmm. You guys, you guys were not paying attention in no, Greek I, class. I read this in high school. Yeah. The Odyssey. Odyssey. That's what it is. And what's his name? I don't know. Somebody listening right now is so offended right now because yeah. they, teach, <laughs> they teach this English literature or something. But it's not just, uh, or it's much older than that. You know, the Psalms are like so much of the Old Testament. But I'm also introduced to more and more of what God is like and, um, and my relationship grows just like, as you know, more of what Colby mm-hmm. was like and has been like yeah. and who he's like mm-hmm. and what he cared about and what he cares about, how he's always cared about this. Yeah. It deepens my love and my relationship for that person. So that's why I think we read the old Testament. Okay. So you're telling me, oh, you go JD. Well, no, I just had, I had more questions. Come on. So you're telling me that the old Testament, I should read it to understand more of God's character and Tell me this. Does Jesus show up in the Old Testament? Over and over and over. Okay. There's um, we, there's big words we won't even use, but there's times where um, scholars believe the angel of the Lord is likely Jesus. Mm-hmm. So a fourth person shows up with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire, and we're told that he looks, Nebuchadnezzar looks, he throws these guys in the fire, and there's four of them there. He threw mm-hmm. three in, and he's like, man, there's four. They're not burning. And the fourth one looks like the son of the gods mm-hmm. or son of God. There was something to sing and scholars believe, Hey man, that was Jesus. And Joshua chapter 15, there's a guy who shows up who is the um, commander of the Lord's armies. He's the angel of the Lord. And he uh, says, Joshua, take off your sandal. And he, uh, Joshua's like, are you for us or against us? And he's like, man, I'm, I am for everybody. And we're told or scholars believe that again was Jesus, that their theophanies are just over and over Jesus showing up. Genesis chapter one, where said that God said, let us make man in our own image. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yes, Jesus shows up over and over, but not in the uh, incarnate. Mm-hmm. What's a simple way to say incarnate? Like physical sense. Yeah, not in like the birth. Not as a man that you can pinch. Yes, exactly. And touch. That, yeah. Um, he's eternal past, but he shows up 
in physical form in the New Testament and over and over indications of him in the Old Testament. Yeah, but I think some people think that the Old Testament and New Testament are completely separate, but you're saying they're not. Jesus shows up in other ways and the Old Testament points to Jesus coming in multiple different ways. Yeah. 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 So what I just studied the Old Testament for the first time this yeah. past year. I'm 26. So good. And uh, I, because I thought before, I did. I thought it was super irrelevant and boring. Yeah. And like, I remember my dad, like my dad's a preacher and he tried to make me read it. And I would just be like, <laughs> snooze fest. You're like, <laughs> don't, don't make me. Yeah, exactly. Like, okay. So the other thing, this is funny. One of my, like, one of the ways he would discipline me was by making me read genealogy. Oh my Leviticus. He would make me read Leviticus and I would just be like, What the and I was like, there's a there's a verse in there about how you shouldn't have tattoos and I thought I was going to hell. Oh my, so, oh my gosh. The point is, is one thing that really helped me see that Jesus was always part of the story was Genesis three with the curse mm-hmm. of when the so the serpent yep. when he makes um, or when he leads and tempts Adam and Eve to sin, God comes down and he curses the serpent. And in Genesis 3.15, he says that the serpent will bite the heel of the offspring of Eve, but that offspring, talking about Jesus, mm-hmm. will crush his head. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I never even would have known that an offspring what he's talking about, but he's totally. talking about his master plan to redeem mankind from their sin. Yep in the form of Jesus' sacrifice. Yeah. And that's where he would crush Satan once and for all. Yeah. And then once I saw that, it changed everything. Everything yeah. I saw because of the promise of the offspring from the very beginning, yeah. I saw how he preserved the line, the lineage to keep Jesus through that blood of the offspring of Eve. And this is crazy when we won't go into all of that. But so with that being said, David, I think though, even still something that was really hard for me, and I want to know how you can how we can help people is you said people read this like a Harry Potter book. And I used to read it like that. I was, I, so I would, it would get really confused when I would like read, uh, let's, let's say Exodus where I'm like, okay, I'm following this story. I've watched Prince of Egypt. You know, this is all making sense. I've watched Joseph King of dreams. Okay. And then it would like bust out with like, bam, uh, Leviticus or Deuteronomy or something about all these laws and or how to build a building called a tabernacle. And I would be like, okay, this has to be irrelevant and skip through. But then when you start to realize how the books aren't after the other, they're kind of overlaying. Yep. Like, oh, this was written in the time of this Mm storyline. Yep. How do you even find that out? Like how, what's a good way to like know that should, should, would you encourage a new believer to try to do that on their own by just simply reading like, how do they start with tackling the Old Testament? Yeah, it's a good question. And go backwards for one second to just clearly communicate, because it sounded like there is there isn't one consecutive story, but there is. It just is not in order, right? So some books carry along the storyline, while, while others kind of supplement, and they're written during the same storyline. Correct? Yeah, like First Samuel and Second Samuel, and the yeah. Psalms that mm-hmm. correspond with what David was going through in life and then what he's writing in these songs, mm-hmm. which are what Psalms are. And then if you read first and second Chronicles, you're like, this sounds an awfully lot like the books I just read. Yeah. Yes. Like, what is yeah, that? Totally. What's up with that? Totally. It's just different vantage points and different experiences of, of, uh, that God recorded to give us, it's similar to the gospels where there's like, oh man, these seem really, really similar, but it was God inspired different authors to write. So as it relates to, um, how can I learn to know my Bible more? 
I, this is where I really do think a good study Bible is helpful. Mm -hmm. It's not the end all be all and people, um, you know, uh, it just provides a framework because those will have references that will help you understand the context of what's going on. It'll tell you the date it was written. Mm -hmm. And then you begin to go, oh man, Jeremiah was also written uh, during the time of second Kings and these other guys that were living. Mm -hmm. So I'm able to better understand everything that's going on and more of the storyline today. We live in, uh, you know, one of the best times in history and that there's so many resources out there where mm -hmm. you can go to the Bible Project mm -hmm. on YouTube. Just go search that if you're like, man, what is this book about? When did it happen? Those guys are friends of our ministry. They're excellent, creating excellent content. We love what God is doing through them. So you just type in on YouTube, like let's say you're reading uh, Genesis, you would just type in Bible Project Genesis yep. and there will be, there are like illustration drawings just so you're aware if you go do that. That was super helpful for me totally. as someone reading it for the first time. After you read the book or before or both, watch that video and it helps it kind of create like a movie. Like you always refer to Game of Thrones. Yeah. I would say if ever you're kind of getting out of the movie, like it's like, okay, this movie doesn't make sense anymore. Yes. Lean in. Don't yes. run away. Totally. Like figure it out. Yes. And those guys are excellent. So that's yeah. a great resource. Like you said, go to YouTube, type in the Bible Project. But having a good study Bible that gives you some handholds on like, oh, this is when this is taking place. And this is what this means. Because if not, we're tempted to just open it up, rip a verse out of context in the midst of our life. And we kind of read it like a magic eight ball. We're like, am I supposed to marry, <laughs> you know, uh, Colby? Or oh, Helga okay. or Sarah, and then <laughs> okay. I open up randomly, and I'm like, "Oh man, and God said Sarah from you, show your womb oh, yeah, be yeah, blessed." Yeah. And you're like, "Oh man, I guess we're supposed to it's have babies together, and this is our sign." And I haven't even met Sarah yet, and you're okay. reading into it. That works until you get Jezebel. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you're you're yeah. Or you begin to go. You open up to Jezebel, and you're like, "Oh man, God's trying to tell me that Sarah, who I'm dating, is a Jezebel." <laughs> and uh, and it's, that's not how you're supposed to read. You know, the Bible. It's not a magic eight ball, but it does. Every word is perfect and true. Mm -hmm. Jesus said, "Not one um, part of it will pass away." Uh, that He came to fulfill it, and He did fulfill it. And every time we open it up, we're introduced to more of what God is like. And I can learn from what more of his heart, his character, and how he cares for different people. So at some point we could do something on like, because I do think there are some controversial questions that um, were helpful for me mm -hmm. in studying it to get answers to like, well, why does God say annihilate this entire people group? Totally. Why does God say you can't eat pig? Or why does God say this? And there's great answers to all of those questions. I don't think we have time for them right now because we're, we're yeah. getting long anyways. But every time you read the Old Testament, you're introduced to more of the God who loves you and the God who you love if you're a follower of Jesus and more of what he's like in his character, how he's always been at work. He keeps his promises. He is faithful to the end. And we get to know more and more of what he's like. Yeah. And I think just adding that there is so much to be learned, I think, uh, because it is easier. It's less work to just open up the New Testament and read, hey, um, envy, slander, gossip, those things are wrong. Oh, OK, cool. That feels easy. But what I've experienced is like going backwards and, and seeing the story of Joseph from Genesis 37 to 50. Like if you just zoom in on one Bible verse, you might not get as much. But if you read the whole story, you're like, Oh my goodness, this has so much wisdom and the trials that he went through and seeing God's sovereignty, like my, my affections are stirred for the Lord. Um, and I also like have a good handle on how I can apply wisdom principles to my life. Totally. So let's, let's begin to wrap up. I just have a couple of like, I just practical questions. Yeah. yeah. Um, would you advise someone new to the faith to read the old Testament? Totally. Without, 
uh, just on their own just to read it. And if they do begin this venture of reading the Old Testament, um, how would you, if I go to the New Testament, for example, yeah. if I'm trying to look for how I'm supposed to walk with God, yeah. I go to the New Testament and I could read about the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. Uh -huh. You got yeah. it. And I can read that and be like, okay, like this makes sense and it, and it feels like it applies to me today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but when I go read about the exile from uh, in the Babylonians taking over Israel, yeah. can that apply to me today? And if not, again, convince me why. Yeah. And I know you've kind of said that, but just like really practically, how do I read this and apply Joseph's life to my life in a way that Joseph being a character in the in Genesis, like in a way that's because it is different than how I apply the New totally. Testament, right? Totally. So how do I apply the Old Testament to my life today? Yeah, I think it depends on which passage you're reading. So you're just looking for principles, like the exile you mentioned. A lot of people don't know even what that is. Exile is just a word where, hey, God took people and he exiled them. Like if, you know. Kicked uh, them out of their land. Yeah, if a political person today was exiled from their country, they were yeah. they were kicked out of their land and went somewhere else. And God, as a punishment for sin, it basically was like, hey, if you worship foreign gods, I'm going to let you have foreign rulers and mm. as a result of that, a consequence of sin was they were exiled. So I think if you can extract that, like if you read it and you're able to pull that away, most people, to your point though, they just don't fully understand it at all. So they go and read it and they're like, man, this is so irrelevant to my life. Mm -hmm. So I think if you're in a stage where you're finding yourself discouraged when you're reading stuff like that, because you're like, I don't understand at all what's going on, go find a trusted fellow believer Talk to your small group. Hopefully you're in one or your community group. Find someone in your church and just ask what is going on in this passage. Mm -hmm. So if you're able to push through getting stuck, because most people just get stuck and they're like, mm -hmm. man, this isn't relevant to back my life. Back to Matthew. Yeah, yeah. back to Matthew <laughs> or back to Netflix. And yeah. like, exactly. you know, so if you're able to push through, I would just let that move you in the direction of seeking out answers to your questions. It's great. There's another website called godquestions.org got org that has great resources and um they actually yeah. have overviews to every book that you can just type in uh exodus and see an overview yeah that's great mm -hmm. so go find those but um but yeah the reason i would say yes is it's not going to hurt them but it, it will it could confuse them and just make sure that confusion doesn't lead you to say man this is irrelevant yeah that's really and, and hurt your faith so. yeah i guess i'm just saying like if i struggle with sec like any kind of sexual sin yeah i most people are going to show me in the new testament yep do i go to the old testament to learn how to fight my sin and how can i learn from the old testament about fighting sexual purity yeah uh, man, that's a really good question. I think that the New Testament teachings are more clear and instructive mm -hmm. and they're directly applicable. All, you know, there's, there's lots of sexual uh, teachings and instructions and principles that are relevant to our life from the Old Testament too. But I think that the reason people go to the New Testament more is because those are directly, uh, you know, First Thessalonians 4, where God says, this is God's will for your life, that you would be sanctified, that you would abstain from sexual sin and not live like people who don't know God live. That's literally what the verse says, and he explains more of that in that passage. So I think those are easier and more um, directly applicable, mm -hmm. and it's, it's a little bit like you're mining a little bit more intentionally in the Old Testament to go, hey, what exactly is he teaching here mm -hmm. in this passage? But there are verses that are relevant to sexuality where it talks about not having sex outside of marriage in the Old Testament, not having sex with somebody in your family or not having sex with, you know, yeah. animals and all of which great things to apply. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I, I always like the way I think about it is like the New Testament is practical 
Mm-hmm. The Old Testament, I learned by example a lot of times where like I read about someone's life and I'm like, man, David was a lot like me or yep. Joseph was a lot like me. And I'm, it's like I'm reading biographies almost yep. and looking at how God used their story to relate to me today. Totally. And so, all right, well, let's wrap up. The last thing I would ask, and I think people might ask is, it seems like God in the Old Testament is more mean, mm-hmm. wrathful, angry, and angry in the Old Testament than he is in the New Testament. And yeah. so, of course, I'm going to the New Testament. How do I reconcile and what resources maybe would you point me to to yeah. handle how my God is love, yet he's so wrathful and mean in the Old Testament? Yeah. Oh man, there's not a short answer we can give here, but we're told the Bible teaches God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Mm-hmm. So any idea people will actually teach like, like a friend of ours, mom was like, Hey, you know, the God of the old Testament different than the new Testament. No, no he's not. not. He's always been the same. There are reasons why a God of love would, um, tell his children, I don't want you to intermarry and to intermix with people who don't worship the same God that you do. Cause it's going to mess up your marriage. It's going to mess up your children. And that's why he's saying like, I want you to be distinct from other nations. Um, we don't have time to, I wish, I wish. No, it's no, so, so much good stuff. Yeah. I don't have time to go into like yeah. why he would, he would, uh, say, Hey, we're going to get rid of these, or I want you to be distinct. And, and, um, I want you to get rid of these other nations that are in these grounds. Um, but maybe we'll do another one on that. Cause yeah. that'd be a good one. But, um, so we know from Hebrews 13, he's always been the same and any wrath that was seen in any part of the Bible was all poured out on Jesus mm-hmm. entirely, completely. And for you and for me, so that we could have a relationship with God for all of eternity, because not only is he good and he's loving and all of those things, which we're told in the old Testament, that God is slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. Psalm 145 says, and we repeated it in the new Testament where it says God is love, but we're also told God is holy in the new Testament and in the old Testament. And, um, and we're introduced to more and more of what he's like when we see Jesus, because Jesus is the image of the invisible God. So, um, you may be reading the old Testament with a, uh, a limited understanding of actually what God is like. And mm-hmm. through the new Testament, we're seeing more and more of what he's like, but he's the same forever. And he will be the same forever, holy and righteous and loving. And every time we read the Bible and the new or the old Testament, we're introduced to more of him. That's good. All right. Thanks, David. That is it. Uh, if you have questions, as always email us at info at the porch live. We will see you next week on another episode of views from the porch. We want to thank you for listening to Views from the Porch. For more information about The Porch Ministry, visit us at theporch.live or follow us on social media at The Porch.